morning uh, or afternoon or evening, depending on where you are and when it is that you're listening to this. And welcome to uh, an episode or another episode of Tell the Damn Story. Uh, This is going to be just a tiny bit different. And I say a tiny bit because those of you who've been following our series know that Chris and I, uh, I'm Alex Simmons, by the way, Chris and I uh, sometimes do solo episodes where, you know, we're we're traveling somewhere um, or we have an interview with somebody uh, and the other partner, Chris, is either on his own doing it or I'm on my own doing it. So this is going to be a little bit like that, except I'm not uh, with another person that's going to be interviewed. I'm, I'm sort of taking this time to, uh, let's, let's call this my fess up episode, okay? Um, fess up meaning confession. For those of you who have been pursuing a career in the arts, the creative arts, or have a career in the creative arts, or had a career in the creative arts, you may be able to identify with one of the challenges that we face, uh, sometimes more often than we would like to. Um, And that is pretty much the hardships of writing under duress. What's it like to have to write when you really don't feel like it, when you're stuck for ideas, when Uh, Everything seems to be working against you putting word to paper or pencil to paper or paintbrush to canvas. It has more of an effect on you than quite possibly, you know, feeling like, oh, it's a lazy Saturday and I'd rather not have to go down to the job or "It's, um, it's my birthday or it's lousy weather, which... By the way, today is not what I would call lousy weather because I don't mind rain, but it is raining. It's a gray day. It's a gray September day. I'm sitting here with a a huge mug full of Folgers Classic Roast Coffee. And I'm saying all that because our mood, our environment, uh, whether it's Mother Nature or whatever, uh, also affects our ability to be creative. So... I decided this episode I would say some things and talk to you about some things that I haven't even at this point yet talked to Chris about um, because, you know, you'll find out as I go along why I haven't brought this up with him yet. Uh, But again, the hardships of writing under duress. So I'm going to focus on one particular story, but it, this, this experience permeates through many of the things that I've done over the years. So, I've been working on this one particular project um, called Blackjack, Fire and Ice. Now again, for those of you who know me or know my work or have been following this show, you know that I am the creator and one of the writers of a series of adventures about a black soldier of fortune in the 1930s. And this character is called Blackjack, a.k.a. Aaron Day. Although I tend to like to use it in reverse, his name... His given name is Aaron Day, and there's some history and a story behind that. But his nom de plume, the name that he's known as in the business that he he pursues, is Blackjack. Um, But either way, I've been working on this series for years, uh, over 25 to be specific. And during most of that time, you know, I've worked with some other people, certainly uh, when I was working on it as a 
comic book series and graphic novels. I've worked with various illustrators. I've also had a few different writers, including Chris, work on this series. But I, I created this series many, many moons ago. And as an African-American, as a young man who, who grew up wanting, you know, to see the world, you know, to globetrot and have adventures and help people and save lives and all that kind of stuff, the kid in me, filled with all of that, um, held on to this image of a character who would do those things. And in particular, a character who would look like me. So um, back in the late 80s, I created said character and um, didn't do anything with it for a while. You know, it was just rough ideas and things. And then in the 90s, actually started working on a storyline, actually approached some comic book companies. And um, there's a longer story about this, but eventually Blackjack saw print and started to build a fan base. Now, you would think, wow, so you've been writing this character for a number of years. You're also a professional writer. So you've really got it going. You know how, you know, just to keep it happening whenever you needed it to happen. And that's not always the case. Not by a long shot. Um, you get inspired. I was inspired to create the character. I was inspired to tell certain stories with this character over these 25 years. And I'm proud to say the character and the stories I've told have led to inspiring other people to do the same thing, either with Blackjack or with their own properties. But, as I said, creating this character sort of came with a certain number of personal aspirations and desires and dreams and all of that. And when you channel your emotions through your stories, you know, whether they're funny or sad or true to life or total fiction, but when you channel your emotions through there, there's a benefit and there's a negative. Uh, the benefit, obviously, is you're calling on things that were real, feelings that were real, thoughts that were real, and you have a sense of how they affected you, and therefore you have um, a better idea of how they will affect or how to use them with your characters and how to get them across through your story. And if you have, uh, you know, if you're new to this and you have some problems with that or you just, it's a big story and you're having problems with it, you... You know, the more you do it, the more you learn techniques that will help you use your own emotions and the things that you've experienced to take you through the process of writing that particular story. But your mood does affect how you work. Now, some people have developed habits that allow them to get up every day and write or get up every day and do what it is that they do artistically or otherwise. Uh, you, you make a cup of coffee, you, you uh, listen to the news, the music on the radio, you, you go through a certain hygienic routine of, you know, when you shower, when you brush your teeth, and what clothes you wear and all that. And you, you get downstairs and you get on the train or the bus or the, you get in the car and you go to work. Um, writers who write from their homes will get up and stumble into their writing space in their pajamas or their PJs, not their PJs, their BVDs or whatever. Um, or they'll get up and they'll do the morning ritual, uh, whatever that may be, exercise, meditation, listening to music, making breakfast, whatever, and then they'll stumble into their writing space and start to work. Um, some even getting dressed so that they have that sense of, I'm going from casual to business. 
Because when you write, not for yourself alone, but to fill or fulfill assignments, to pay the bills, you know, when you're professional about it, then you have to write. It is a business. There's a business to it. There's an art aspect to it, but there's a business to it. And your mood will sometimes get in the way. If you're wrestling with personal problems, then that's really going to affect your mood. Uh, here I am writing a story about an adventuring, globe-trotting black man in the 1930s, so there's all kinds of challenges that he has to deal with, some of which are unfortunately still mirrored today. But believe it or not, back in the 30s, it was even harder. Uh, it was harder on people of color. It was harder uh, traveling across the globe or around the globe because you know, of technology or the lack thereof at, that, at certain times. There were greater challenges at that time, and he has to traverse all of them in order to get the job done. And that means research. That means mapping out certain things that I don't experience. You know, uh, yes, I do know what it's like to be a black man in America, but I don't know what it's like to have to contemplate traveling to England or Germany or Moscow uh, via a dirigible, something that's going to take days rather than hours. Um, I don't know what it's like, really, not to be able to buy a ticket on any particular transportational unit that I wish. Now, true, when I was born in the 1950s, there were places in this country and in other places where I could not do that. I could not go down to the ticket window and just buy a ticket like anybody else. And that's one of the things that Aaron goes through. But I have to take these things into consideration because of the era that I put him in. So I have to do my homework. And if I'm not in the mood, if I'm wrestling with personal problems, with anger or sadness or confusion or depression or lost love or um, you know, disagreements with people or fear, if I'm in those zones when I'm trying to do something that's completely in the opposite direction, it affects my work. And if I don't have particular habits locked in, then it inhibits my work. It stalls it. It brings it to a halt. Sometimes for hours, sometimes for days, sometimes, embarrassingly enough, for months. Now, I have given my students over the years all kinds of uh, uh, phrases that they can use um, to help them jog themselves and get into uh, the writing mode. I've given them techniques. I've even told them if you write 20 minutes a day, even that, even just 20 minutes, you're always moving forward. And that's true. It's absolutely true. But there are things that I would also call mood moats, you know, as in the moat that goes around a castle, something that prevents you from getting in or getting out easily, you know. And we have to be real. <clears throat> Those things will, will stop you. Uh, they will, as I said, halt you sometimes for long periods of time or short periods of time. And your job is to get through them. But again, we're talking 
life. We're talking personal hang-ups and problems. We're talking being sick, which I was uh, for a short period of time. But even that comes in there. You know, if you're, you've been struggling to get through the emotional end of the, the traffic jam, the creative traffic jam, and then you finally get through some portion of that, and then you're physically ill, which then slows you down. You know, then you start to go back into the emotion. Dag, now I'm tired and I'm sick and I can't. And, blah, blah. and the moat gets deeper or wider, whatever metaphor you want to use. So I find that the thought that goes through my head when those things are happening, you know, the chant that comes up is get, get it done. You know, get it done. You got to get it done. That You have to get it done. You have to get it done because... You've got a deadline, and, and a client is expecting it. You have to get it done because you've set the deadline for your own publishing projects, as I do with Blackjack, as Chris does with his projects of Genius High and the City of Woe and, and, and Pain series and, and a number of other things. You, you have a deadline. You've got to get it done. You've got to get it done because you need to get paid. You know, if you don't turn in the work for whoever the client is or if you don't get your book done and get it out there and selling to the public, you don't make money. You got to get it done. You got to get it done. That doesn't always help chanting that, though. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You know you have to get it done. You feel you have to get it done. Some part of you wants to get it done. But some part of you doesn't give a flying squirrel. And you got to wrestle with that. That's the beast. Sometimes it's a little, little furry, nasty, little snarling thing around your ankle. And other times it's as big as a Kodiak bear. And you, and you really need to face it. And I've had to. And I hear from time to time that, you know, good is good enough. And that's true. Good is good enough sometimes. But bad truly sucks. <laughs> it does. When, when you're new to this, <clears throat> pardon me, when you're new to this and you're still trying to figure out Am I really a writer? Can I really write? And so forth. Okay, you're really worried when you put that phrase down on the page or those characters speak or whatever because you haven't established anything. You're, you're trying to establish. You're trying to figure out if I can really do this, if this is really the world that I'm going to go into and be successful at. When you've been doing this for a long time, a number of years, and you struggle with this, again, where's your mindset? If your mindset is this is a professional scenario, I've done this for years. I know that good is good enough, or I know that you know I'm going to write stuff that's going to suck, but that's okay. I'm going to be able to write that stuff that sucks, and then I'm going to go back in, and I'm going to do revisions and rewrites, and I'm going to work it until it's good or good enough. So you say to yourself, while I'm writing this, let it suck. Just get it out. Get it down on paper. Get it onto the screen. Dictate it. If you can't sit there and thunder away with your, your digits, set up Google Doc or uh, Scrivener uh, or um, I know there's another one, another software where you can speak into your computer and it will type for you. Let it suck. Let it sound like gibberish and the mad ramblings of a nut job in a small castle somewhere. But get it out of you. So that you can step away, turn around, and look at it again. 
And sometimes even doing that is hard. And it has been for this particular story. Uh, now, I, I will set this up for you just a little bit more uh, clearly by saying that Blackjack Trial by Fire and Ice, which is the actual full title, uh, is actually two stories. Chris and I split them. He's doing one, I'm doing the other. And both stories take place immediately after a third story, which is actually the first story, um, which takes Blackjack to Germany. And we're talking, you know, Nazi-occupied Germany in the mid-1930s. So from his adventure there, these other two fall into place. And that first story has not been written yet, not fully. It's, it's in various notes and things, but it's not been fully scripted. So since I knew what Blackjack was coming from in terms of that first adventure, and since Chris and I, over a year ago, worked out the basic theme and plots for the two stories that we were doing, you would think, what's the big deal? You can get this done. You know what's supposed to happen. You know where it's happening. Yeah, you know what kind of research you have to do. Uh, and you've done this a thousand times before. But as I said, sometimes your mood, your emotions get in the way. And they did in this particular situation. And even hearing myself say, let it suck, didn't allow me to move forward on it. I wrestled with it. I couldn't figure out why. I couldn't just get this done. I knew the character. I knew the situation. I'd even traveled to some of the locales. So I had already a personal experience of them. Why couldn't I write this? Well, I, did, I eventually did figure it out. And, and this is another thing that, that I've often done, and I guess because of where my head was, I didn't do it the right way at first, or I, I couldn't see the forest for the trees or whatever. But again, our emotions, well, those little tricky devils. How you feel about a particular story, or in my case, what you are actually trying to say with this particular story needs to be clear in your head. You need to figure out, what am I talking about? Why am I doing this? Not why am I doing a blackjack story in this particular case, but why am I telling this particular tale? What's the message in there? Or what's, what's the, the demon I'm trying to exercise? Or what is it that Aaron Day is going through that I have to make sure is clear? Because if I don't know, I'm rambling. And that's part of what it was. I was caught up in an emotional or vague f place in my head and couldn't clearly see what the subtext, the real core essence of this story was about. I had not identified it. I had identified the plot, the characters, a series or sequence of events. I had some of the action worked out in my head. But I didn't really know why was I telling this particular tale. 
And because I didn't really look at that, I couldn't easily figure out why I was having trouble doing it. So introspection, looking inside yourself for why you do what you do, is key. Now, I've written Scooby-Doo, I've written Archie comic stories, and, you know, people can say, oh, well, you know, you must just knock those off and everything. And in some cases, yeah, they were, they were briefs, they were easy. I knew the basic idea, I went through it, boom, 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 no big deal. It was fun. I never felt that I hacked anything. But certain stories just, boom, they just flowed. Even if there was a little subtext in there, they flowed. But sometimes the story goes deeper. It has some personal connection to you, and you need to figure it out. Otherwise, you stall, and you can't get through, even to let it suck. To some part of you saying, once it's there, I don't know how to get it out of there. I don't know how to save it. And especially if you're trying to, to deal with opposites. And in this case, life energy being opposite of the energy that's supposed to be in the scene. You're supposed to be writing an exciting scene, you know, either exciting dialogue, emotional dialogue, or action sequences. And inside you, it's test pattern. You know, it's like, it's Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Oh, bother. There's no, there's no real exhilaration. How are you supposed to write an exhilarating scene when you don't feel it at all? again, your emotions. So you've got to know what it is I'm trying to do. You've got to have an idea of what I'm trying to say. I needed to have that in this story. I needed to have a clearer understanding of what I was trying to say so I understood what it was I was wrestling with and could better find a way or find a better way to say it. Now, ego also fits in here especially with somebody who's been doing this for years. Because aside from my not wanting my work to suck or people to think that, uh, I was writing with a writing partner, somebody whose work I respect. And I'm happy to say over the years has respect for my work. So the last thing in the world I wanted to do was put garbage in front of Chris. You know, it's just, I know him. I've known him for decades, okay, at least 30 years. And yet, having worked with him a bunch of times, having, you know, shared our families, you know, I'm, I'm the godfather of one of his sons, you know, I mean, God, dog, you know, <laughs> it's not just some guy that I happen to be working on a project with, you know. But yeah, embarrassed, didn't want to look bad. Didn't want to share this, share that. Didn't want to show holes in my socks. And so another reason not to sit down and write it and let it suck and get it out. And then that was a great reason for me not to look deeper and figure out what the heck is holding me back, truly. So so that you don't think that this is going to go on forever, um, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Because I eventually did figure out what was holding me back and what I was really trying to say. What was the essence of this story about and why I had had so much trouble telling it 
And without going into details, because at some point I hope you'll read the story, which comes out in October, by the way, but um, embarrassment and personal pain and uh, confusion and uh, uh, caring were all part of the stew, was all part of the whirling dervish. Those are two completely different metaphors, right? Um, that kept me sort of spinning and away from what I needed in order to help me get this done. So, um, in conclusion, I suggest very strongly that you, you ask yourself, again, whether you're new to this, a seasoned vet, or you've ended that portion of your career, but maybe now and then you look back on the work. You ask yourself, how important is my reputation? The one I'm trying to create, the one I have, the one I had. How important is that? How important is my work? What I'm creating, what I've created, what, you know, what I still have to do, continuing to move down this road. And in each case, for me, whether it was Batman, Superman, Tarzan, Blackjack, Archie, or Scooby-Doo, or at least 30 other things that I've worked on, including Sherlock Holmes, how important is the story that I'm trying to tell? Ask yourself that, and, and be honest with yourself. Really, really think about it. Do I not care? Do I care too much? Do I care just enough? Am I committed to my work, to my reputation, to telling the best damn story I can? And if you are, hopefully all of those things, if you are committed, then you face your own beast, your own bear. Snarling little thing, little terrier-sized thing, or Kodiak. You face it. You take it on. You wrestle with it. You figure out what it is you're up against. And you use it. Use it within the story. Use it to fire you up so that you can get the story done. That's what I had to do with my end of Blackjack Trial by Fire and Ice. As I wrestled with it for far too long, before I finally figured out what was going on, I hope I've learned from that particular experience. I also have sort of more committed, become more committed to developing better working habits. As long as I've been doing this, I have a few, but I understand I need more. Just like every now and then you got to go down to the hardware store and, you know, get some new tools. You have to do that with anything that's important to you, is continue to learn how to get better at it, how to do it well, maybe even how to be a little bit more true to yourself. And again, in final, final conclusion, once you know what it is you're trying to say with your stories, be genuine. Be honest with yourself, and be honest with the story, and subsequently, be honest with your audience. Okay, 
that's my solo for today. Uh, I hope you find it either intriguing, informative, useful. If you do, let me know. Uh, you have our email address, and certainly you can leave comments on the various platforms from which this podcast is broadcast. Until next time, when, yes, Chris will be here, and maybe we'll talk about this just a little bit so you can hear his reactions to my fessing up. But either way, until that time, please continue to listen to and to tell your own damn stories. So long.